with Aaron about how dumb Saved by the Bell was. <laughs> so, um, so last week uh, we started our Christmas series, and uh, I titled it "Characters of Christmas," and we just started talking about different char- you know, different character in the Bible, and we talked about Joseph last week, and so. And so, you know, we just kind of started out by talking about how so many of us take Christmas for granted. And so many of us, you know, we can go around the room and so many of us would know what Christmas is. Uh, many of us would be able to tell, you know, each other about Jesus and about, you know, the wise men and about Mary and about Joseph and all that stuff. But oftentimes we hear about it so much throughout our lives that we just kind of just uh, look at the people in the, in the stories and we, we forget that they were real people. Uh, we forget that they had real hard choices to make, and we forget how faithful that these people really were. And so last week, we talked about Joseph. Uh, we talked about how he, um, he had really hard choices to make. Um, and we also saw that he was just a simple carpenter. And we saw that, uh, you know, according to the world, he would have been a nobody. But to Jesus, he was actually a somebody, and he was in the right family. We also talked about how Joseph was a just man, and because of that, he waited on the Lord whenever he had a hard choice, and Mary came to him and told him that, you know what, I, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And we saw that Joseph didn't actually necessarily believe that, but because he was just and he was righteous, uh, he waited on the Lord, and he was faithful, and because of that, the Lord sent the angel in, in to talk to him and confirm what Mary said, and, in the Mar- you know, and once that happened, we saw that he was obedient and just simply obeyed the Lord, and, you know, like I said, you know, we read that story, and we know that story, but we just forget that Joseph had some really hard choices, and yet he was a faithful man, and he was a just man, and he was a man that was obedient to the Lord, and hopefully you guys learned something from that, and so this week we're going to talk about different characters of the Bible, and this week we're going to talk about the wise men, so we're going to read Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 2, and start off. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is, it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art <coughs> not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they had saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When, the, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down, and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, and presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod and departed into their own country another way. So this is the, the account in Matthew of the wise men. And actually, it is the only account in your Bible of the wise men. And so there's a lot of things we can learn from the wise men. And so let's get started. And our first point is the wise men pursue Jesus. So we see in Matthew 2 that the wise men came uh, to Herod and they were looking to find Jesus. They had heard the prophecies. 
Uh, they knew that Jesus was born, and they wanted to come find him. They wanted to find the king of the Jews. And before we talk about who the wise, you know, before we start, you know, what we can learn from the wise men, let's talk about who the wise men were. And like I said, this is really the only place where it talks about the wise men. And the Bible, like Joseph, doesn't say a lot of things about the wise men. Um, in fact, if I were to ask you how many wise men there were, what would you say? Wow. Okay, three. Aaron knows, and someone in the back knows. Okay, so you would say three, and that's because that's what is in every manger scene. That is what everyone talks about. There's songs about the three wise men, but the Bible doesn't actually say how many wise men there were. It just talks about the wise men. So there could have been more than three, um, or there could have been three. Uh, the one thing the Bible does say is that they came from the east, and that means that they weren't Jewish. Uh, they weren't, uh, you know, of the Jewish descent, and, you know, there's a lot of speculations of where they came from, but once again, the Bible doesn't say. Uh, it must not be that important, but it does say that they came from the east, um, and it is clear that they were wealthy and educated. Psalm 72, 10 through 15, and Isaiah 65 through 6 prophesied about kings coming and giving gifts to Jesus. And so unlike Joseph, you know, these guys weren't like your ordinary guys. These guys weren't just simple carpenters, and they weren't like your shepherds, you know, when you read through Luke 2. These guys were, were probably rich. Uh, they were well-educated. People would have known them. Um, they, they were considered probably kings where they were coming from. And so these guys, these guys were no ordinary guys. These guys were special. And so th the wise men, they came to see Herod. And, you know, Herod was the ruler of Judea at the time. He was in charge, and he was, you know, over that area. And he would have been put in charge by the Roman government. And he was extremely powerful. Um, he was a guy who, you know, whatever he said goes. And what you see is that, the, you know, the wise men knew of the prophecy, and, and they, they started to pursue Jesus. They, you know, they had a desire to know who Jesus was. And as you read through the first part of the story, you're going to notice that there's three different characters. In verses, you know, one through six, there's three, three main characters in this story. And there's a lot we can learn from these guys. Um, the first one is obviously the wise men. And we already talked about that, you know, they're pursuing Jesus. Uh, they knew the prophecies. And they were seeking Jesus out. And the awesome thing about that is, if you, you know, we just read it, they, they found Jesus. They, they were seeking Jesus, and they found him. And the other thing, if you notice, um, you know, as they were following the prophecies and they were following the star, they found Jesus exactly where he said he would be. He wasn't hiding from them. You know, he wasn't just, you know, like, you know, hey, I'm going to come in this baby, and I'm going to be like, you know, play cosmic hide-and-seek. No, Jesus was exactly where he said he'd be. And, you know, sometimes we look for Jesus, and we don't find him. And you know what? It, it's our own fault. If you're not looking for Jesus, you're not going to find him. And the cool thing is in Proverbs 8, 17, it says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. And, you know, Solomon is just saying that if you seek the Lord, you're going to find him. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Jesus himself later in Matthew tells us that if you seek the Lord, you're going to find him. And, and the wise men are proof of that. They went to find Jesus and they found him. And the, and the second person in this story is Herod. And so Herod had really no clue who Jesus was. In fact, whenever, you know, the wise men went to Herod and said, hey, um, where's this Jesus, the king of the Jews? He didn't know. He actually went and talked to the religious leaders. And you find out that Herod really wasn't worried about, about anything about knowing Jesus. Whenever you see, you read the story of Herod, he didn't care who Jesus was when he heard about Jesus. The only thing he cared about is that he was supposed to be the king of the Jews, and he was worried that Jesus was, was going to affect his life. 
he heard about Jesus, and you know what? He was afraid that he was going to have to give up control of his throne. He was afraid that Jesus was going to come and, and take over and be the king, and all of a sudden he wouldn't have a throne, and worse yet, the Ro- maybe he would overthrow the, wor- you know, the Roman government. So, in fact, um, Jesus, you know, once Herod heard about Jesus, he was so afraid, and he hated Jesus so much that if you keep reading in Matthew 2, you see that he kills all the kids that are two and under. Because the wise men didn't go back to him, and he didn't know exactly where Jesus was, he tries to wipe Jesus out. But there's a third re- uh, um, group of people in the story, and, and that's the religious leaders. You know, they didn't know him, but they knew about him. And so I, I want you guys to get that, because they didn't know him, but they knew a lot about him. In verses 5 and 6, the leaders knew what the prophet said, just like the wise men knew what the prophet said. You know, in fact, they told Herod, like, hey, he's in Bethlehem. Um, and, and they knew the prophecy. They quoted the prophecy, but yet, you know what? They didn't respond like the wise men said. They, they didn't go, and they didn't, you know, pursue Jesus like the wise men was, was going to. They had no desire to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I mean, they were the religious leaders of the day. They were the people that, that you know, that had it all together. They followed the law. They thought they were good enough. They, they thought their works was, was going to get them to heaven, and worse yet, you know what? They, they you know, Jesus came for them, and they, they missed him, um, you know, they, they were looking for a different Messiah. They were looking for Jesus to come back and be the king of the Jews at that point and take over the world. And they, they were making Jesus out to be someone he wasn't. They completely missed out on who Jesus was. And, and sadly, this is where a lot of people are today. Uh, many people believe in Jesus, and however, many people actually miss him. So many people know the Christmas story. So many people know the Easter story and about how Jesus came and, and died on the cross. But you know what? A lot of people just know those things, but they don't actually know who he is. They've never actually accepted them as their, you know, their personal saviors. And they believe that, you know, since they're a good person, like, like the religious leaders, you know what, they're going to be all right with the Lord. And others are like Herod. They hear about Jesus, and you know what, they don't want anything to do with them. Maybe it's because they don't want to have to give their life to the Lord, or maybe they don't believe in God for whatever reason. But that seems to be a lot of the people. And, and the sad thing is, is that there's a lot of people in churches now that kind of make God out to be somebody who he's not. There's a lot of people who kind of pick and choose what they want to believe about God, and they just miss God. He goes right by them, just like they did the religious leaders. And so it's just a a sad part of the the Christmas story because many people knew the the prophecy, but only a few followed the star. Only the wise men in this part of the story actually went and followed the star and, and, and pursued Jesus. And so a whole nation really missed out on what God was trying to show them. In John 1, 11, it says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. And so the whole, you know, the whole Israel, all of Israel, all the Jewish people, they just kind of missed out on what Jesus was trying to say. And I shouldn't say all, but a large majority of them, certainly the religious leaders, and you can see that all the way through the Gospels. They had no desire to pursue the Lord and get to know him. And so, you know, we're celebrating Christmas, so let me ask you something, guys. You know, are you guys seeking Jesus? Um, If you have a relationship with the Lord, are you guys actively pursuing him? Are you guys reading your Bible every day? Are you guys praying? Are you guys, you know, constantly and faithfully coming to church? Because, you know, if, y- if you seek the Lord and y- you're desiring to pursue him, you're going to find him. He's going to be exactly where he said he's going to be. And he'll come and he'll meet with you and, and you'll grow in him. But if you're not and you're just kind of flipping about it and you know, I'll read every once in a while and I'll come to church every once in a while, maybe I'll throw up a prayer when things get tough, you're, you're going to miss him. You're going to completely miss him and what he has for your life. And if, you know, and if you're not, and maybe you're, you're not following the Lord, what's holding you back? Like, is he not worth it? Is he not worthy to, 
to, you know, be, be praised and he's not worthy to be followed. I mean, he came to this earth in a form of a baby in his own stinking creation. So so we could have a relationship with him. So, you know, I want to encourage you guys, if you guys aren't following the Lord and you're not um, pursuing him, just just start today. Uh, there's no time like the present. And maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means in a few minutes. But after this passage, you're going to have a choice. Uh, you're going to have a choice to be like Herod and just kind of say, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to give up control of my life. Or maybe you'll be like the religious leaders and think, oh, well, I'm a good person. I'll, I'll make it to heaven anyways. Or you can be like the wise men and you can pursue them. And so that leads us to our next point. Uh, the wise men perceived who Jesus was. And so the wise men were looking for Jesus for a reason. You know, they saw the prophecies um, and they wanted to get to know him for a reason it, because they, they knew who he was. Um, and whenever you, you see the wise men in, in, Ma- in Matthew 2, 9 and 10, they found him and they rejoiced. Matthew 2 says, when they, had, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over them where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Why did they rejoice? I mean, they didn't just rejoice. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I mean, these guys were excited to find Jesus. And so why would, they, why would they do that? They knew who Jesus was. They knew that they weren't coming to see any ordinary boy. You know, at this point, he, you know, unlike the manger scene, Jesus wasn't still in a manger. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't just laying there in his swaddling clothes. He would have been at home by now. And he probably would have been around two or a little under two. And so, you know, they're coming to, to worship a boy. And, you know, you may say, okay, so how do you know that they knew who he was? How do you know that, you know, that they had a, a, an idea of who he was. And I would say, uh, you know, first of all, these guys, like I said, they're not ordinary guys. These aren't your ordinary guys off the street. These are, w- these are wealthy, wise people. And so, you know, these guys don't just come to visit anybody. And second, these guys have traveled for a pretty good distance. Um, and once again, not ordinary guys, not going to travel on a camel hundreds of miles to see a boy. Um, and, you know, whenever they got there, you know, these guys worshipped him. They're not going to worship. These guys are not going to worship someone who they didn't think was worthy. And also, when they got there, they brought Jesus gifts. They, brought, they gave him expensive gifts. And fifth, and, you know, whenever you look in verse 12, you see that the wise men were warned by an angel to not go back to Herod. And so the reason being is that Herod was, was going to try to wipe Jesus out. He's going to try to kill him. And if the wise men really didn't think that, that the Lord was worthy, if he, they really didn't think that that boy was special and that he was God, they would have went back to Herod. It would have cost them something to not go back to Herod. I mean, Herod was a powerful man. And they actually went out of their way not to go back to see Herod. So that was saying they're not coming back to this region anymore. Not as long as Herod was there, because Herod probably would have tried to kill them. And so the wise men knew exactly who Jesus was. Um, and the Bible is also very clear who Jesus is. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in John 1, we see that in the beginning was the Word, and that's a capital W, by the way. And so the Word was God. And this is referring to the second part of the Trinity, uh, God the Son. And then in verse 14, later in that chapter, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So verse uh, 14 tells us that the word God the Son was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was God in human flesh. And guys, this is really important because you can read over this and, and you can be like, yeah, I know that. I know who is it in the manger. But there are so many religions out there who will just say God's just this, 
you know, he's a special guy. Um, even Islam would say that he's a prophet, but they'll also tell you that he really wasn't God in human flesh. He was just an extraordinary man. Uh, and, and that's just not true. The Bible is very clear. John 1 clears up the fact that, you know what, he was God in human flesh. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Jesus was God, but took on the form of a servant bec- and became one of his creations. I mean, he was God. And the wise men, you know, they had the right, because he was God, to respond the way they did whenever they found him. You know, they worshiped him. In Psalms 22.9, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. And there's so many verses that we could go to on worship, and this is just one that I found that really just stuck out to me. But there's so many verses that you can go to on worship, guys, and God's worthy of our praise. And so, you know, if you're going to come face to face with the God of the universe and and you see him for who he truly is, your response is going to be just like the wise men. You're going to want to worship him. You're going to want to praise him. You're going to be exceedingly grateful that you ran into the Lord, just like the wise men were. And so, (coughs) you know, do you you guys know who Jesus is? I I know most of you would say yes. Uh, Most of you would have a relationship with him. But at this point in the story, I, we need to go over, you know, what Philippians 2.8 says. And it says, being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, Jesus grew up, and this is why he grew up. The whole reason he came to, to earth was, was to face the, the death on the cross. And, and the reason he had to do this is because we're, we're all sinners. You know, we talked about the religious leaders earlier, and they all thought that they were okay. They were following the law. They were good people. They were doing good things. And they would have said, they're okay. I'm a good person. And if you've ever witnessed anybody, you know, you'll know that one of the first things that you're going to hear is, I, it's okay, I'm a good person. And, and so, you know what? That's great. I mean, it's, it's a good thing that you're a good person. But Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says that we're all sinners. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so, you know what? Uh, that means that we're all sinners. Um, that means that there's nobody righteous. That means on your best day, if you would go out and you, you look back on your last few weeks and you say, man, I was, I was really good a few weeks ago. Like, this was a really good day. I did a lot of good things. I helped an old lady across the street. You know, I, I was actually obedient to my parents. And, man, I had a really good day. Um, even that day wasn't good enough for the Lord. Um, in Isaiah, it said, you know, God says, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. You know, on your best day, it's just filthy rags before the Lord. And the reason that is, is because when God created man, uh, many of you know this, it, it, he created Adam and Eve, and he put them in a garden, and he told them, don't do one thing, just one thing. Just don't eat of the one tree. He put a ton of beautiful trees and other trees he could eat, but he said, don't eat of the one tree. And what did they do? We, you know, a lot of you know the story. They ate of the tree, and as soon as they ate of the tree, uh, you know what? They died. God said that they would die. They didn't die a physical death. They died a spiritual death that separated them from the Lord. And so, you know what? As soon as that happened, as soon as Adam ate of that and disobeyed the Lord, sin entered in the world. And God's holy, and, and God's righteous, and he can't look on sin. And Romans 5:12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And that one man was Adam. And you know what? As soon as, as he sinned, uh, death entered into the world. And so man was never meant to physically die, but 
uh, you know what? We were meant to have communion with God, and we were meant to be, you know, spend time with God, and God walked with man in the garden, and at that point, it, that ended. Sin entered, and, and there was a spiritual death, and there was separation, um, there was separation from the Lord. And, and since we're all sinners, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And so because, you know, sin entered the world, we've all earned sin. Um, w- you know, wage is something you earn, and, and unfortunately when you're born, you're, you're born a sinner. But the verse goes on, and there's good news. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, you know, because we were sinners and separated from the Lord, there had to be something done for our sins. And this is where the Christmas story comes in. This is why last week I said this is the second greatest story in, in your Bible, uh, aside from the, the story of Calvary, because Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. You know, he, he lived a righteous life. Um, he was perfect. He, he died on the cross for our sins, and he, and he died, you know, he died on the cross, and he, he rose again for us, because Romans 5, 8 says, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And even though we were sinners, even though I was a sinner, and even though every one of us were sinners, Christ still loved us so much that he came to this earth in the form of his own creation, and, and he died for our sins. In, in Romans 10, 9 through 10 and 13, it says that if thou shalt confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so the Bible says if, if you admit you're a sinner and there's nothing you can do about it, there's no amount of good works that you're ever going to be able to do. <laughs> Um, and you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and, and rose again, you can be saved. You can have a relationship with, with, um, with the Lord. That, that separation, that spiritual separation can be fixed. And so, you know, that's, that's why that the wise men worshipped him, because he was worthy of it. I mean, isn't that amazing that the God would do that? Even if you've been saved since you were a young kid, like that story should excite you. Like as I was writing this out, like it gives me goosebumps to think that God loved me that much. It, gives, it just excites me that my God loves me so much that he would come to earth in, in the story of Christmas that we're talking about and that he would, he would die on a cross for my sin. That, like that's an amazing thing, and that should excite you. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, this is the most important decision that you could ever make in your life. I know there's going to be college and there's going to be marriage and other things, but this is the most important, way more important than any of those. And you can have a relationship with the Lord. And if you have any questions... Come talk to me, talk to Kale, or any of the other counselors whenever we're finished here. Like I said, this is why the wise men worshipped. He's worthy to be worshipped, guys. You know, Jesus was God in human flesh. He came to earth knowing he was going to, you know, he, he knew he was going to have to endure the cross, and he still came. And you know what? Even then, like, he, he came for, for us, and, and that's awesome. And in Matthew 2, we see a group of men who are willing to travel to a different country and pursue the Lord. You know, they knew that he was... Excuse me, they knew who he was, and they saw and they worshipped him. And he was a small child, you know, God in human flesh. So whenever we think of Christmas and we, we see Jesus lying in the manger, just remember that, that that's God in human flesh, and he did that for you, he, and he did it for me. And so our next point is, is the wise men presented gifts to Jesus. And so this is probably, other than the fact that there was three wise men, this is probably the most familiar part of the wise men's story. And so after they found Jesus and after they worshipped him, uh, they, they gave him gifts. And they gave him three gifts, and they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so the cool thing about each one is that it kind of represents something. And I, and I thought this was cool, so I'm going to tell you about it. So maybe you'll think it's cool. Uh, the first thing is gold uh, presents Jesus as a king. And so gold is something that, you know, that, 
that when you're king that you're presented to. It, it was to kind of a sign of honor that you would give. So when the wise men brought the gold, they, they were giving it to Jesus as a sign and, and presenting him as a king. The frankincense presents Jesus as our high priest in offering. Um, in case you don't know what frankincense is, is it is an aro- aromatic, clear resin obtained from trees in North India and Arabia. Um, so this would have been used in incense and perfumes. And in the Old Testament, the priests would have used this in, in a lot of their, their ceremonies in the temple and in a lot of the law that they had to do in, you know, through Exodus and Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy and stuff. They, they would have used the frankincense in that. And, and so this represents Jesus as our high priest. And Hebrews 7:26 says, For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's for this he did once when he offered up himself. So in the Old Testament, the priest had to go into the temple and they had to offer sacrifices and they have to offer one for themselves and then they'd have to offer one for the people and they'd have to do this a few times and they'd have to do this every single year. And so what this is saying is we have a high priest in Jesus who came to earth and he lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again and now he's sitting in, in heaven. And he did that one time. Our high priest only had to do that one time so he can have a relationship with him. And, and praise the Lord that he did that for us. And then myrrh presented Jesus as a prophet and for, foreshadowed his death. So myrrh is a spice used uh, for medicine and anointing oil. Uh, it would have been what they anointed the prophets with in the Old Testament. And they also used it to embalm the dead. In fact, in John 19.39, uh, Nicodemus brought myrrh to the body of Jesus after he died on the cross. So myrrh just kind of represents, and it was kind of a foreshadow of Jesus' death. And so the wise men brought, not only did they bring, you know, symbolic gifts, but they brought, you know, very expensive gifts. These were very valuable gifts. It would have cost them, obviously, a lot of money. In fact, me and Mike found you can buy a tub of frankincense for $115,000 on Google. So if you ever just want to get into the frankincense business, it's about $115,000 for a tub of it. That doesn't really have anything to do with it. I just thought it was kind of neat. Um, so, you know, keep in mind that these guys were giving toddlers gifts. You guys, I mean, think about that. These guys were giving toddlers in, their in, in a gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, very valuable things. And so, you know, if you're getting ready to go on a trip and you're talking to people and you're, and you're loading up, you know, and you're telling people, what are you, what are you doing? Like, they would have told people what they're doing. They would have told people, like, oh, I'm taking this and we're going to go find Jesus. And, and also, like, not only were the gifts expensive, think about this. They not only gave Jesus their gift, but they gave Jesus their time. They had to travel. Like, they gave a lot of time. It's not like they just hopped in a car, drove for a little while, and then showed up. No, they had to hop on their camels, and they had to travel for several days, maybe weeks, to get to Jesus, depending on how far it was. So they were willing to give Jesus, you know, their expenses, their expensive gifts, and their time. And so this is an awesome reminder of, you know, the point two under here, that we have a responsibility to give. And in 12 days... We're going to celebrate Christmas. And once again, I'm a large, if anybody's wondering. And most of you have ideas what you want to get for Christmas. I mean, it, I have three kids, and I've had a Christmas list since July um, of everything they want, and it keeps changing. And every time they see a commercial, they tell me that they want that, and it, it's just crazy. But, you know, I don't think it really changes. There's still things that I want. I'm, I'm 30-something, and... Um, I still, I like sweatshirts. I think I've already got like four sweatshirts for people to give me for Christmas. And I have an idea of what I want. And so the thing that convicted me about this is like, am I actually looking for other people to give gifts to? 
Am I actually trying to find other people to help? In Acts 20, 35, it says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Are you guys looking for the weak and the needy around you? Are you guys looking for people who need gifts? Maybe they need food. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a family in our church or that you know that have little kids and they don't have any money to give to their kids. Are, are you willing to sacrifice some of your money? Are you willing to sacrifice some of your time to do that? Because if, if you're looking and you're like, I don't know anybody like that. Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're not looking very hard. There's people all around us, all around New Philly, Dover, Indian Valley, whatever school you go to, that they need, they need help. And, and God's called us to help them. Philippians 2, 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're not called to care about what we have or what we want. We're called to help people, guys. And I know we just did a thing on serving. I know we just talked about this, but the wise men are a great reminder of this. And, and so we have to remember that when we help out others, it shows the love of Christ. We have to be willing to help people, guys. You know, I, I would challenge you guys to, to ask the Lord tonight and tomorrow to show you somebody that needs help. And if you ask him, he's, he's going to show you. And then I would encourage you to actually go help that person and try to find a way to share the love of Christ with them. And so, you know, <coughs> you know, you, you have to remember that during this time, it's not all about us. And we need to put the display of, of Christ, you know, the love of Christ on display guys we have to be able to you know show people that that god loves them and that christmas is more than than just getting gifts in matthew 25 jesus says in, in verse 35 for i wasn't hungered and you gave me meat i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me i was in prison and you came unto me then shall the righteous answer him saying lord when saw ye we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And so like, if you read through Matthew 25, the, the context of this chapter is Jews in the tribulation and, and the final judgment. But there is a practical application for this, guys. And, and it's something that we need to be, you know, we need to, we need to understand. We need to be willing to help people. Uh, the Lord says that there are people in need and, and that, you know, the people in this, these verses, they help them. Uh, and by helping them, they, they help the Lord. And the people in the story were saying, well, what are you talking about? We didn't help you out, Lord. We didn't see you in, in, in any need. And the Lord answered Jesus, and he said to this, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. When you help other people out, it pleases the Lord. I mean, even if you help somebody out and they don't even know you help them, you know what? At the end of the day, it pleases the Lord, and that should be all that matters to us. But, you know, we, we can make a huge difference, guys. And this, this is the time to make a huge difference. It's Christmas. Those of you that have a relationship with the Lord, like, you have the greatest gift that anybody could, could possibly have. You have, you have the gospel. And, and there's people all around you that, that are, are, are without that. There are people all around you that if they died today, they would spend an eternity separated from, from God in a real place called hell. And I know that's not popular to say now in church. I know that's that's not a popular thing to say say hell in, in you know, in the even even the church setting, let alone the world. But it's very true, and you have the gift, you have the key to help them, 
And, you know, if, if you're not willing to share, you know, your faith at Christmas and you can't find someone to share your faith with, uh, you must not be trying very hard. The whole thing about Christmas is about Jesus. The only other holiday or any other time it might be easier is, is Easter when you talk about Jesus dying on the cross. And, you know, based on Matthew 25 and what we just read, what do you think the Lord will say to you someday if you, if you don't share the most important thing he's ever given you? What do you think the Lord's going to say to you? You think he'll be pleased? You know, this is, like I said, Matthew 25 is a different judgment, but we'll stand before the Lord in judgment someday. And if you don't share Christ with other people, what do you think he's going to say? You think he's going to say, well, well done, good job. No, absolutely not. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, share the, share the Lord this Christmas. It's not that hard to strike up a conversation. It's not going to cost you anything. You don't have to have money. All you have to do is be willing to, you know, spend some time with the person. All you have to do, you, you know, maybe... Maybe it'll cost you a little bit of popularity, but who cares? It's worth it, isn't it? I mean, don't you think so? And so, as we conclude, uh, I hope you guys can learn from the wise men, um, and I hope you can find some people to give gifts to, whether maybe it's physical gifts, maybe it's just meeting somebody's need, maybe it's just giving time to help somebody out, or, or hopefully maybe you'll find someone to give the gospel to. And so, as we wrap it up, um, I hope this series gave you a new perspe perspective on Christmas. You know, when I, whenever you... Uh, when you leave here tonight and you hear about, you know, the Christmas story and you hear about what, you know, the, the things that we'll talk about at church over the next few weeks and we go to our Christmas party and you go to school and you hear all these songs on the radio, I hope you remember that these were real people that were in this story. These were people who were obedient to the Lord. These were people who made a difference and who we're still talking about today. And I hope that you can look at these people and realize that you can make a difference too, just like the wise men you know, you can pursue the Lord and you can know who the Lord is and you can also, you know, you can give gifts to people and you can make a huge eternal impact. And so as we're going to close tonight, uh, we're going to do things a little different. Ben's going to come up and he's going to read the Christmas story out of Luke 2. Um, and as he reads the story, just remember what we talked about th in this series. Remember that these were real people doing real things um, and making real impact in, in people's lives. And just remember that this, w this was the start of Christ's journey to the cross. And so... Without further ado, Ben Roth. Oh, that's, that's weak. To you that that doesn't really matter. Um, so read along with me. We'll start in verse one. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And, and this shall be a sign unto you. 
you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much um, for coming to earth for us. Thank you so much for uh, just being willing to give up all that you gave up for us. Uh, Lord, I don't know that we can grasp what it was like for you before you decided to come here. Um, and I just thank you that uh, we mattered enough to you. Uh, just like God, just like Josh shared with us tonight, Lord, the way that you made a way for us to have our sins forgiven, the way that uh, you came here just for us, um, we praise you for that. And I just ask that tonight you would help us uh, to hear your words, to hear these stories, and help us to know what our Christmas story is this year. Um, help us to know what you want to do in each of our lives this year the same way that you wanted to do things in the lives of the people that are in the Bible for us to, to read about. Um, God, we love you, and we just ask you to be praised in this last song. Thank you so much for making a way for us to be saved. Amen.